Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. This year, we are living it up. It is our vision for the year for 2023, living it up. Does anyone know the scripture verse that living it up is based on? Do you know it? Anyone want to uh, come up and recite it? No? It's okay. That's, yeah, it's hard to remember scripture sometimes, but it's Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4, and uh, it's really good to see you, Brett. Hey? I see you on Strava all the time. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. In the message version, it says this. So if you're serious about living this, res- this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. This year we are living it up. We're wanting the reality of heaven to inform how we live on earth day to day. We are wanting to have the, the things that are above on our minds. We're wanting to not have our focus taken up by the things that are around us, but rather to look up and to live it up. And I'm sure this morning you've got a sense of that. Don't worry about the things of the earth. Look up. Trust him. He is faithful. So in light of this, this morning I'm going to be speaking about living it up in your calling. Living it up in your calling. Have you ever thought about your calling? What has God called you to? What has God called you into? Where is Jesus leading you? It's one of our big questions even in terms of people who don't know Jesus, purpose. What's the meaning of life? And in our age, there are so many possibilities. There are so many opportunities. You can do anything, but but what do you do? (laughs) What is God calling me to and to do? And some people are really confident in it. Some people have got it down. Some people have no idea. And then there are others 
who every time you talk to them, it's something else. <laughs> like, oh, God is calling me to this. Yeah, but wasn't that something different last week? I believe that settling our calling is one of the most important things we can do, both as a church and as individuals. Our calling is key if we are going to live it up. So what is calling? What is calling? Well, calling is an invitation. It comes from the, the Greek word. The Greek word is, it's K-L-E-S-I-S, which you're supposed to pronounce klesis, okay? And it just means a call, an invitation. So when, in the New Testament, when you read the word call, it's an invitation. It's used in three specific ways in the New Testament, and it is used, one, as a vocation or as a ministry. God is calling me to do something. The second way it's used is as an external call, particularly to salvation. Right? God is calling us to be with him, to get saved, to come to know him. Mark 2 verse 17 on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's an external call. And then there's an internal call as well, which is a, it's the Holy Spirit working within us, molding us, shaping us, moving us to be who he has called us to be. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's not an external call. You can't be holy unless you know Jesus. It's Jesus working within us to bring out holiness. Ephesians 4 verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. It's always been such a great challenge for me, that verse. Mm. As we think of calling, we need to know a couple of things. We need to know that it is the Lord who calls us. It is His call. It is the God of the universe who invites us to a life of trusting in Him, of walking with Him, walking close and doing things the things that he wants us to do. We need to know that it is God who calls. Primarily, we are talking this morning about the call to do something, the call to ministry, the call to vocation, right? Those are not necessarily separate things. It's not in the church and outside the church, my day job, my... It's what is God calling you to? And it can... In, Involve both and all and everything. God's call is not a good idea. And it's not the, what your friends and your family think you should do. But it's what God wants you to do and wants you to step into. And it is God who stirs and settles our calling. His calling is something that moves us deeply. 
can be unique to us and gives us internal steel and motivation to keep going, even in the midst of trials, of opposition, and hard times. It's God's call that will sustain us. Hmm. Calling is not purpose, and it is not responsibility. Our purpose is general. Our purpose is general. In fact, our purpose is written on the banners of this church. If you look behind you, you'll notice on the left-hand side, or on my left, it says to know Jesus, and on the right-hand side it says to make him known. That is our purpose. We are all called to know Jesus and to make him known. But our calling isn't general, it is specific. It includes our purpose because we need to know Jesus and to make him known. We are called to that. But our calling is very specific and specific to us. Our responsibility is not our calling either. You're not called to your family, but you are responsible to them and for them. Your calling does not negate your responsibility. Just because you're called doesn't mean you forget about the responsibilities that you have. Jesus was on the cross. He was living in his calling, empowered by, empowered by God, sacrificing himself for the sake of humanity. What does he say to John? John, look after this. Look after my mother. Jesus was the eldest son. Mary was his responsibility. And even in the midst of where Jesus was at, he still took care of his responsibility. Someone said, calling is where our talent and our burdens collide. It's the makeup, all of you, your talents, your abilities, your experience, your life experience, your journey with Jesus, how he has grown you, all of that mixed together with a supernatural burden, a holy discontent, the desire that you cannot, a desire that you cannot shake that can only come from the Lord. There are many examples in the Bible of those who were called. The prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Isaiah's call, oh, it's magnificent. Isaiah 6, he's taken to the temple. He sees the Lord coming down. It's smoke and it's who will go for us. And he's on his face. He can't even look up, but he's like, Lord, I will go. So that's the calling, calling of the Lord. Samuel, serving the guy who was the high priest at the time, and hears the voice of the Lord, Samuel, Samuel, and follows it. It's the Lord calling you. John the Baptist was called from, from his womb, from his womb, from... <laughs> the womb. The disciples were called they heard Jesus' voice. He picked them out of the crowd, said, hey, follow me. They continued to walk in their calling as apostles. 
Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Great story. And then he's called to Jesus, and then Paul and Barnabas are then set aside to the work in which God had called them to from the church in Antioch. But this morning, we are going to be focusing on Moses and his call. The story can be found in Exodus 2 till verse 4. And I would encourage you to, to go, go ahead and read it. I'm going to be taking out the major points of the story from that portion of Scripture. Are you all right out there? Cool. Great. Fantastic. I hate that the, the spillover of COVID is a perpetual Zoom face. Um, we've we've been become very good at, hmm, hmm, I'm here. I'm not saying it's you, but if the shoe fits, kick it off. So Moses, Moses was a baby, a child of promise. We find that in Exodus 2 from verse 1 to 4. It says this, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him no, no longer, when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. In Hebrews, when you pick up the story in Hebrews 11, that's the hall of faith. It's all the faithful men and women who have gone before us. Hebrews says that Moses' parents were faith-filled. And this was a faith-filled act. This wasn't like, oh, my boy is too pretty. I'm going to, he, he needs to not be, not die, but rather I'm going to hide him. No, Hebrews says this was a faith-filled filled act. His parents saw something in him and saw something for him. And it is good that we see things for our children. It is good that we have faithfulness. We have, we're faith-filled when it comes to our kids. And that's why we send them on the reeds out the door during the sermon. Tough crowd. They were bold enough and faithful enough to do something about what they saw for Moses. When we live out our faith in front of our kids, guess what we're doing? We're being bold enough and faithful enough to do something about what we see for them. Who are their first examples of what it means to be a Christian? It's us. Moses then ends, in, ends up in Pharaoh's household, Exodus 2 from verse 5. Then, Moses's, oh, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and with her attendants were walking along, uh, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. He becomes a child of privilege. 
And as you read the story a little bit further on, a child of privilege who knew where he came from, his mother ends up being the one who nursed him, which is, I mean, that's got to be God involved, right? He didn't just become an Egyptian. He became a Hebrew Egyptian. He knew where he was from, and he knew the story of his people. And yet, because of where his household was, he gained skills. He gained education. He gained things that God would then use for his calling. Because who else could have written the law? A bunch of slaves? No ways. Moses. Moses. A little while later, on in the, well, a little while later, he kills an Egyptian. Exodus two from verse eleven. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He knew where he came from. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So I think that this is possibly a misplaced burden. So I believe that God already saw Moses and saw his calling and started to churn something of a burden for the people, for the Hebrew people, for the Israelites. So when Moses sees what is happening to the Israelites, what happens? This, this desire, this burden inside of him starts to burn up. And how does it, how does it come out? He's like, oh, I, need, I need to stop this. My people need to be free. What does he do? He ends up doing the wrong thing. The right sentiment the wrong execution. And so often, actually before that, Moses did not have a framework to work out his growing discontent. And it really does come out in the wrong way. So often we can be like Moses because there's something inside of us. God is doing something in us there's a churning, there's a stirring. We're like, ooh, like, Lord. <sighs> but it kind of comes out wrong. We kind of vomit our way through our burden. Maybe we take offense because something isn't being done about this. Maybe we try to make everything about the thing that we're feeling. We think that maybe it should be the main thing. We need a good framework to be able to work out what God is doing in us. Because it is God who stirs, right? It is God who stirs. But we need to... Work it out in the right way. Moses then runs away. Exodus 2, 
from verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this, that's Moses killing the Egyptian, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down at a well. Moses did not take responsibility for what happened. He had some character that still needed to grow, that needed to be worked on. Despite his faithful start, despite his talent, his skills, his education, despite his growing burden for his people, he still needed to grow in his character. We could have everything going for us with the Lord, and there might be some character that we need to work on. He runs away, and he ends up in Midian. Exodus 2, verse uh, 21 to 22. Moses agreed to stay with the man, the priest of Midian, who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. He marries a Midianite woman, and they bear a child. Not an Israelite, interestingly enough. Hey, here's, here's the guy who's going to be saving the Israelites, and yet he has a, a mixed marriage. That's... But he gets added responsibility. And later on, you'll see that they go with him. He doesn't leave them there to follow the call. No, he knows that responsibility and calling are not separate. And then, then, we get to the burning bush, the moment. Exodus 3, from verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jericho, his, oh, Jericho, Jerry, Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw, through, saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When Moses saw, sorry, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where I'm standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his, hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying, crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good, land, good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Pezerites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
What an incredible call. What a big call. What a, what a scary call. When did this happen? When he was shepherding. He was doing his day-to-day, everyday, Monday to Friday, what, 7 till 10? How often do we work here in Joburg? It's like, it seems like the whole time, often. Um, ordinary stuff. And he hears the voice of the Lord. And it is a big call. It is a scary call. Moses knows Egypt, and he knows Pharaoh, and he has to go to Pharaoh to get his workforce to disappear? This is a big deal. So obviously, Moses has doubts. He's got questions. And this we see in verse 11 of chapter 3. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What does God do? God encourages him. He says, I am with you. God said to him, I will be with you. And this will be your sign. And, and this will be the sign. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So wait, wait, wait a second, just hold on, hold on. So God gives this crazy big call, and then Moses is like, I'm not sure that I can do it, that I'm the person, that I'm the right guy for this. And God says, don't worry, once you get back here, after all the things, then you will know that I'm with you. So then Moses has more questions, and he's more doubt. He's like, I I don't think I can wait that long, Lord. I don't think I can wait until we get to this place again. I need some confirmation now. And there's a back and forth. Moses is like, I can't. I stutter. God is like, eventually, God gets frustrated with Moses. Fine, just take Aaron. That's how I read it. And then in Exodus 4, Moses answered, he has more, more questions. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses says to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. What is in your hand? that ordinary, everyday, something that connects you to your shepherding life. I'm giving you this big call. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to be a a savior of sorts. You're going to do this big thing. But what is in your hand? He says a staff, a shepherd's staff. That staff, he throws down, becomes a snake. He freaks out. I would too. God then says, pick up the snake. No. (laughs) Sorry, Lord, I can't hear you. I'm too far away. What did you say? Did you say? What? Pick up the the snake. He, I mean, Lord, help me. 
picks up and becomes a staff again. That becomes the same staff that he holds over the Red Sea to bring ultimate salvation as the people of Israel move into the promised land. So often we can discount what is in our hands, not seeing that God can use it, even in the bigness of our call. What is in your hands this morning? What do we have in our hands? Let's trust that God will use it to bring miracles. And as we step into our calling, The story continues as he, he then packs up his life. He starts to sacrifice for his calling. He gets ready to leave. He sacrifices comfort to step into his calling. The desert had become comfortable for him. His family was there. He knew the place. Probably had three meals a day. He came home, ah, long day with the sheep. There his meal is ready waiting. He sacrificed what he knew to step into his calling, into what God had called him to. He sacrificed <laughs> for, he sacrificed his comfort for his calling, but he did not sacrifice his responsibility for his calling. He packed up his family and they went with him. And it was good. It was good. Because in verse one of the verses in verse 24 I think 25 maybe we can get it up there yes verse 24 to 26 he says at a lodging place on the way the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him I don't know if you've been following this story along. This guy is a child of promise, right? His parents were faithful and did everything that they could to set him up. He was skilled. He had, like, he was the man. He, he was the man. He had a burden, a spiritual burden as well. He had an encounter with God like no one else had. I'm like, Lord, please speak to me like from a bush. That would be great. Then I would know exactly what to do. It would be fantastic. He has this incredible encounter. He then also sacrifices. He's like, guys, we've got to do this. He packs up his family. He's done everything right. But the Lord wants to kill him. Can we go to that verse? But Sephora, remember his family that he brought with? Okay. But Sephora took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. It's an image that doesn't sit well with us. But Moses didn't do the fundamental thing with his kid. He hadn't circumcised his son. He hadn't mocked him for the Lord. How do you think the Egyptian knew that Moses was a Hebrew in the reeds? This was a mark of the Israelites. This was a mark of the people of God. And yet Moses neglected to do it. 
And so before Moses steps into his calling, he has to get some things right. Some private things. Some things that are hidden. He had to get his heart right. Before he stepped into Egypt, back into Egypt. So often we have everything going for us. Everything is, everything, we tick all the boxes. Faithful parents, education, skills, ability, a burden from the Lord, encounters with Jesus. We've sacrificed, we've, we've dedicated our life to him. And yet, there is just a little thing that is not right. We need to sort our lives. Our lives need to be right with the Lord. And if there is sin, we need to sort that out. Because God did not want, did, did not want Moses to step into Moses' calling because he hadn't sorted this out. And this can lead in our lives to hurt, to discouragement, to feelings of frustration. And we just have actually brought this on ourselves. We need to keep short accounts with the Lord and allow him to do his work. Later on in the New Testament, it talks about a circumcision of the heart we need to make sure that our hearts are pure before the Lord, that we access His righteousness, and we allow Him to make adjustments in our lives so that we can step into our calling. So how do we know? How do we know what our calling is? How do we know? How do we know our calling? We walk with Jesus. We spend time with him. We read our Bible. We pray. We allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. We allow God to speak to us. They say the Bible is the only book that reads you. We allow that to happen. We create that space. We walk with others. Right? We walk with others. They see things that we don't good and bad. They can help us with our blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have things that we need to sort out that we could be better in. Not only that, but often others see more for us than we see for ourselves. And so we need to be, we need to allow them to speak into our lives to unlock our calling, our destiny, what God has for us. We need to be a community of faith, faithful believers that unlock and call out greatness in one another. We've got, to be, be, we've got to be believing in one another, trusting that God will move us into all that he has for us. We need to pray into that holy burden, that holy discontent. So you start to see things. You start to identify things. You, you start to realize that something isn't right. Oh, it's just... Oh, oh. It could be God working in you. Pray into it. 
allow God to grow that burden. Allow God to, to work in the way that only he can. We need to trust that God will use us and all of us, all, like all, all of us, our journey with him, our, our makeup, our, our likes, our dislikes, our abilities, our skills. We need to sort out those little things, those hidden things. We need to make sure that our hearts are circumcised. We need to trust for his timing. If it's his call, we need to be stepping out in his timing. When we try to make our own plan, it doesn't end well. Moses tried to make his own plan. It didn't end well. Abraham tried to make his own plan. It didn't end well. We need to realize that God can use what is in our hands. And we need to start using what is in our hands. All of this, we need, in all of this, we need to know that as we step into our calling, there are others who are going to benefit from it. Who benefited from Moses stepping into his calling? The people of Israel benefited. I'm trusting that as we've been talking about Moses and his calling, trusting that God has been stirring something in you, something of him in you. God, what are you calling me to? Jesus told many stories and parables about the invitation. There's a banquet. Sends out the invite. The people that get the, the invitation, they end up not wanting to come. He says, go and find people who will come. This morning, there's an invitation. With the Lord, there is always an invitation. We choose whether we step into that or not. God is not one who makes us do anything. He invites us to step into what he has called us to. We need to answer the call. We need to accept the invitation. Eugene Peterson, uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, we need to just have long obedience in the same direction, which is Eugene Peterson's quote. And until then, in uh, Colossians 3 verse 4, our vision verse in the message, the last line says, until then be content with obscurity like Christ. Until then be content with obscurity like Christ. It's not the limelight. It's not in the limelight that calling happens. No one knew who Moses was until he came back to Egypt. All of that stuff happened behind the scenes when no one could see. Jesus even alludes to that. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, serve. Long obedience. 
our role in all of this is to be obedient to His voice on a daily basis. And as we step into that, guess what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the little. I'm going to give you more. Can we stand? God, we thank you that you see us. We thank you that you see all of us, God, and yet you still love us. You still have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We thank you that you have something for us that is much bigger than what we could ever do for ourselves and on our, uh, by ourselves. Just seek the Lord now. Focus on Him. Allow Him to speak to you in this moment. Trusting that He'll highlight some gifts, maybe a skill or a talent, something that you carry that he can use for his glory. What is in your hand? What burdens do you carry? Who do you pray for? Do you have compassion? What breaks your heart? What cities do you pray for? What regions capture you? Maybe, maybe God is stirring you. Maybe it's a burden. Maybe it's a, a holy discontent. Moses had a burning bush. And even though God was speaking to him, he had to take off his shoes. He had to step forward towards it. And we don't have a burning bush. I'm not going to ask you to take off your shoes. But I do think that if the Lord is calling, and that calling is an invitation, then we need to step forward into it. So if you are feeling that the Lord is stirring something in you, Whatever that is, I'd like you to step forward. God, I thank you that it is you who call. I thank, thank you that it is you that does the calling, God. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, I thank you that you move us. You don't try to make us someone else. You move us to be who you've called us to be. God, I pray for a continued stirring. God, that you would move in us. There would be some sort of movement in us. God, that even this week, God, we'd get a dream. We'd get something of you that would just go, oh, yes, Lord. 
God, we want to be obedient and we want to be open to you, your calling, your leading. Ultimately, God, I thank you that you are our prize and that you call us, you, our purpose is still set to know you and to make you known. So God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.